Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nerds Adulting Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Peter, and with me, as usual, is my wonderful co-host, Josh. What's going on, buddy, old pal? What, how you feeling, man? What's going on? Peter, I feel good. It's been a while since we recorded. I'm feeling excited. Yeah, it's been a little bit. Uh, you know, life is caught up to it's us. It's only uh, been four years. It's fine. Four years. Dude, we did like, we've, we're over like 130 episodes. So, I mean, I guess yeah. shout out to us, Pat on, Pat, on our, Pat on our back for hitting 130 episodes. So, yeah. whatever. Small, small accomplishment, but I was pretty, I didn't even think about it. I don't even look at the numbers when we release them, but we hit over 130 episodes. I thought that was pretty cool. We'll be doing this four years, you said now? Has it been four years? Yeah, I think so. Oh my God. I think since it's been you and me, yeah. Wow. Well, I barely, when I started, it was just me for like a couple, like a month, like one month, and then you joined on, like officially. So you've been here for pretty much from the get go. I was kind of like, I can't do this by myself. Like, this is, there's no way I can do this. Like, I need a co host. You graciously yeah. But, anyways, today, Ritual Sunday Fun Day, where we take a an older thing, the game, movie, TV show that we enjoyed when in our younger years and we kind of unpack it and discuss it and just do a deep dive on it and I'm super excited to talk the 1986 James Cameron movie Alien starring Sigourney Weaver super pumped to talk about this one this one is super special for me what do you what were you thinking when I said let's do aliens oh I was about it I aliens know you were. I, know I mean you were. aliens is aliens is one of my favorite movies of all time yeah, yeah, and I mean, this- I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure, as far as it, as far as uh, enjoying sci-fi, I'm pretty sure that that can apply to anybody. Yeah, I think like, it's sitting if at you, like- if you if somebody that's around our age, if you're like, do you like aliens? No, what? Like you're you're weird. I don't mean, like I think aliens. I think so. I think well, there's this certain horror aspect for it, so I kind of have a like I know a lot of people that are super nerdy, but they just don't like horror. So I can kind of get like if you you didn't like aliens because of the violence and the horror, you just don't like that. I can kind of get that, but for the most part, I would agree with that statement. Like I would be a little weirded out if you didn't like that movie and you were into sci-fi and what I, I mean, aliens is probably like James Cameron is probably the, had the most influence on me as far as my love for sci-fi between Terminator, Terminator Two aliens you know like that cemented my love for just sci-fi in general and aliens even though it fucked me up as a kid like the shit that happened in that movie and like i mean it was like i was terrified of something i used to think like when i would go to bed at night i used to think that we had what was called the utility room next room over to my bedroom i used to think that there was an alien there like clawing his ways and coming through the wall and grab me and snatch me away. You know, like I was just terrible. There's so many moments like that in that movie. And then just like, I probably shouldn't have seen that movie. So the movie came out in 86. I was born in 83. I probably saw it when I was like, I don't know, seven or eight years old. So I probably saw it in early nineties, you know, like on VHS or whatever. And I was, I loved it so much, but the movie just terrified me. So yeah. I want there's a, there's a few things I want to unpack here. So I already said it's directed by James Cameron. It was also written by James Cameron. It's a sequel to the original movie directed by Ridley Scott. Sorry, okay. So the original movie came out in 1979, directed by I Ridley didn't, Scott. I didn't, I didn't know he directed. I thought he wrote. No, he he directed. That was like one of his big like. I was like it's sort of like his directorial debut that just sort of like catapulted him right uh, for Ridley Scott in 1979 and. So this is a sequel to that film. It was, Correct. but the 
Aliens, the sequel, was written by James Cameron and David Geiler and Walter Hill. And then James Cameron wrote the screenplay. So it was sort of like his, he was the main influence, right? He, he's the one that really wrote the story for this movie. And it, stall, it starred Sigourney Weaver, Michael Bean. For me, was the first Solid Snake because he was on the cover of, I, want, I don't know if he was on the MSX versions, but I know the Nintendo versions, it was Michael Bean. That was his fucking ass on it. Oh, yeah, it's 100% Michael Bean. Uh, and then, so I really thought this was super interesting because, you know, Paul Reiser from Mad About You, that's, that's what he was most famous for. I don't even think at that time, but he was a sitcom star, but he showed up on this movie. It was a really interesting casting. And there's something he does in this movie that I thought was interesting. So he always refers to Sigourney, Sigourney Weaver or Ripley as kiddo, right? He always calls that's, it. That's like, correct. Yep. There's like three lines where he calls her kiddo or whatever, right? Just subtle lines. In Stranger Things, he's always calling Eleven kiddo. And yeah. I, I, I firmly believe, I don't know if this has been confirmed, but I swear that that is something that the Duffer brothers wanted him to do as like a callback to that role. Firmly confirm it. I mean, firmly believe it. I don't know if it's confirmed. I just thought that was that was interesting because I was just watching Stranger Stranger Things season four, and I kept calling her kiddo, and I was like, "Why does that sound familiar?" And I watched this movie recently, and it's like, "Holy shit!" Like, and it just kind of like occurred to me. But it also starred. That's, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that. But you're right. He does call her that. Yeah, and I I I swear, I, knowing the Duffer Brothers and being so meticulous and so attention to detail, and sort of nostalgia i i think they did that on purpose i don't think paul riser even is doing i think it's duffer brothers but anyways it also stars the late bill Pax, paxton r.i.p sad to I think he passed away last year and then william hope starred as lieutenant gorman uh, jeanette goldstein which i thought i actually didn't realize this until recently she played the stepmom in terminator 2 to john connor Oh, we discussed this in our yeah. Terminator episode. You're right. We did discuss this, but I didn't I didn't realize this because she's not actually Hispanic. There's sort of like this like weird like retro me too, not me too, but like backlash to her being cast as this as this Hispanic woman in this movie and it kind of came to the fore and then I realized it was her. So you might I know you like this this character. Al Al Matthews played Sergeant Apone. Mm-hmm. I know you. I know you like that. Guy. I love. I love Apone because I, I say some he? of his lines at work. Oh yeah, but who is he really? Who is he as to nowadays? Oh, what it's uh, Sergeant Avery Johnson. Exactly. Exactly. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. That is uh, for the for people uh, listening in. If you don't know, well, Sergeant Major Avery Johnson. You know, Sergeant Major Avery Johnson is he's the Sarge, um, Sergeant Johnson, often referred to in the Halo series. That's right. And a lot of his, we'll get into it, but a lot of his mannerisms and the way he talks and his general presence and attitude is inspired by Sergeant Apone from this film. Yeah. And it, I was watching this movie and I just could not help but think of Halo. Like, you, you yeah. knew when they were writing that character, they're like, we got it. He, th- that was like the inspiration for him. And it also stars Mark Rolston as Private Drake which he's been in a lot of stuff too. But also one of my favorite cast castings of this movie was Lance Henriksen as Bishop. Like his, I loved Bishop's character in this movie. We're going to get into it just because of uh, him being an Android and in Ripley's issue with androids. But I thought that was kind of, it's like one of my favorite things movie. But anyways, they also, they also, uh, I don't know if the word 
right word. They also make it canon that he is um, Mr. Whalen. Yeah, you're right. In Alien vs. Predator. And, and Bishop is based off of his likeness. Yeah. You're, you're one because they actually, I think that was unpacked, at least on screen in Alien vs. Predator, that horrible, terrible, no good movie. Alien vs. Predator, that was one of sort of. Unpacked. I mean, it's good action. It's good action. It's, it's a little, it was it's just fucking it's PG a we- 13, man. It was a weird movie, but it's just good action. Okay. I guess there was some weird. Some I weird. still love the to the day I die. I will always love when the predators just swinging the alien by his tail and just like bashing him into the columns and the stones <laughs> flying everywhere. I was like, hell yeah, brother! <laughs> I, I remember. So actually, it's a funny story. I mean, I know we're uh, talking about aliens, but I went to see Alien uh, Aliens vs Predator in theaters, and it was so packed. I sat on the floor. Oh wow. I sat on the floor in the stairwell going up to seats. I sat on the floor and some of my friends had like got to sit in seats. Wow. And I sat on the I sat on the floor. I remember seeing that with my girlfriend and it was Alien vs. Predator was packed. But I just remember there was a scene at the end, I remember specifically, but she's like communicating with the alien and like there people were literally laughing at the end of that movie because it was just it was so bad. I will say I know we're kind of going off a tangent. Alien vs. Predator Requiem was probably what Alien vs. Predator should have been, and I actually really like Alien vs. Predator Requiem. I mean, it's nothing spectacular, but I really enjoyed it. It's like it's sort of like what we wanted to see in an Alien vs. Predator movie as far as violence and the action. You had the Predalien, which was kind of badass, and it was just like... I really enjoyed Alien vs. Predator Requiem. It was just like one of yeah. those... Films. I mean, when you talk about the Predalien, everything about xenomorph itself the alien hr hr geiger's is uh absolutely a terrifying animal i mean (laughs) yeah that's a it's a it's a it's a it's it's just a terror even if it's not used in like a horror setting which alien and aliens both have well alien is a horror film it's a sci-fi true sci-fi horror film aliens is like it takes that sci-fi horror sticks some action some 1980s wild action in there with explosions and guns and all this like cheap one-liners and <laughs> i mean it was <laughs> it's like just... it's in the 80s movie right it's an 80s exactly movie in that 100 100 percent it is and oh man i want to ask this question now, but i'm gonna wait so we're talking about the okay. cast right now because i want to wait uh, <laughs> that's my good <laughs> So also, I want to talk a little, so the budget, right? This is where I told you not to read the notes because I wanted to see see what you thought about the budget or the budget and sort of like domestic box office and what also came out this year, in 1980s. So I don't know, for those who, ha- who have Netflix. I'm, I, I might know the answer to this. Okay. But anyways, I want to talk about a little bit. You, you all should watch the movies that made us, the Aliens uh unpacking i don't know if you saw that really good some really interesting stuff that happened behind the scenes that they talk about go watch that highly recommend it we're not going to talk a whole lot about of what came from what revelations came from that but i highly recommend watching it. it's really interesting anyways so the budget was 18.5 million dollars which was actually really low for a movie and i mean it was still it was still based off of the production value that the film has 18.5 million dollars and like some of the things that they had to do to work around doesn't like 18.5 million dollars is not enough for what the things that they did 
like the smoke and mirrors over the viewer's eyes for this film. Do not, like pale in comparison to how much money they wish they had to make things. Well, one of the things that came from that documentary or that episode was they actually took but the the they shot the movie in the UK in England and that actually saved them about 20 million dollars and so that's how they got away with it. So technically this movie should have been about about 35 million dollars to make and so you adjust for inflation today that probably about what, times 2 probably about 70 million dollars but anyways so domestically it grossed 131 million dollars which was that's insane that's a huge i don't know i'm not i don't do math i'm not about to try to do it in my head but anyways it's, it's good that's good right 18 million 18.5 million was the budget and it grossed you domestically 131 million and according and then globally it was 183 million this is from imdb and from wikipedia and this is where i pulled it from right so i'm gonna go through the top 10 movies of 1986 grossing movies domestically okay number 10 ferris bueller's day off great movie number nine out of africa I don't think I'm familiar. I can't think. I was. I just saw that. And I, I can't I think remember. I've seen that. Uh, number eight, Ruthless People. Number seven, Star Trek. Four. I had to like. I'm like. It's in Roman numerals. I'm like, wait. What is I V? Oh, four. The Voyage of Star, Home. Star Trek. Star Trek. Okay. Star Trek Four. The Voyage Home. Number six, The Color Purple. Number five comes in. Aliens. So Aliens was actually number five this year. Number four was Back to School. Number three was The Karate Kid Part 2. Number two was Crocodile Dundee. And then number one was Top Gun. That's not a bad year. That's not a bad year, right? I mean, Bears Bueller, iconic, Color Purple, iconic, Star Trek 4, Top Gun, classic, you know, Crocodile Dundee. That's a really good fucking year of movies, man. Yeah, I was like looking at this list. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like these are like some staples from my childhood: Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, The Karate Kid Part Two, Aliens, Ferris Bueller. Like these are like some some great movies. But I thought that was interesting that that's where it, where it landed. So one of the things that I, I thought about this movie when I watched it again, or I remember as a kid, is just the score, like the music, right? Like the music is so good like the scene when you see the chest burster coming out and it plays like this orchestral music like i think it's like strings and like when the chest burster comes out or when she's dreaming and she's she's in the beginning of the movie she's dreaming and she has this chest burster coming out and you hear like this intense rolling like build up music yeah. and like yeah. just like slowly building and building and building and like it's just so fucking intense like my god it was done by james horner right that was his name so he's been nominated and has he's been nominated for various Academy Awards. He's won two. So he won in 1998. He won for Titanic, Best Original Dramatic Score, and he also won for My Heart Will Go On for Best Original Song. But he also was nominated for A Beautiful Mind. He was nominated for Avatar, and he was nominated for Apollo Titanic 13. and Avatar. Titanic and Avatar, both both James Cameron movies. Oh yeah, I mean, you know James Cameron. You you see that a lot, right? You see a lot. Like Hans Zimmer works with Christopher Nolan and like all of his movies, right? You see this happen a lot. They they they. It seems like I mean, music to me, score is huge for a movie. Like it's so big. And score I, is huge for anything, whether it's for. Oh yeah. Video game, a movie, a a, 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 a an interactive experience, a ride. 
a show that a live show that you sit at a play a sound like a music is i think what helps drive scene no speech oh yeah 100 so in order in yeah. order to convey terror without anybody saying anything i think that's that's amazing yeah and and this is one of the reasons why I just love. He actually was nominated for this movie for best original score. He didn't win, but he was nominated. Oh man, this this the music in this movie just so many, so many scenes in this movie that just stick out to me. Specifically, the one with with the dream in the chestburster scene when she's like dreaming that, or when you see the chestburster, or when they're in the in the scene in the red room when they're all like being, they're getting ready to be attacked by all the aliens. Like, oh man, just the the music was so good. I think it's one of the reasons why it stuck with me so for so long, just because the music was so well done. Yeah, score is, is huge. All right, and so the movie actually won a couple of Academy Awards, which dealt with sound. One was Best Effects, Sound Effects, Editing, and then Oscar winner for Best Effects, Visual Effects, which is which I'm not not surprised for it for its time. So, starting off, first question I have for you is. What are your first memories of the movie Aliens and why is it specialty? Aliens, the film itself, has been large influence on many franchises that I enjoy to this day. Whether that's real-time strategy games, first-person shooters, tabletop games and lore, Aliens has inspired a vast amount of science fiction elements that I know you enjoy, but I enjoy. So that's why the film itself is special to me. I will never, if aliens is on, I'm sitting down to watch it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, re- I remember. Um, so my, my wife has a spouse, April. She didn't watch a lot of like movies growing up. So a lot of her film experience and her exposure is coming now from me. So we did a weekend. We watched all of the OG Alien film. Nice. In like in like a three over a three day period, sat down. We really dug deep. In. She says now, Aliens is also her favorite. And she's not like a big sci fi it, but she doesn't go out of her way to research it or expose herself more to it. She's more like, you're gonna you're gonna watch it, then I'll watch it with you. But I remember talking to her and be like, out of all the films we watched, which one do you like the most? And she was like, oh, Aliens. So, that's, the one with the, that's the one with the Marines, right? And I was like, yes. And she's like, yeah, that one. That's my favorite. Yeah, Aliens had so many like things. It's just you had guns, you had Marines, you had spaceships, you had, you know, it was very, it had a lot of things going for it. But when you compare it to the other Aliens movies, I would say saying Aliens is your favorite out of all of them is not saying much because the other ones just were not very good. Alien was great for what it was at the time. Aliens was good. But man, like Alien 3, they just completely it just completely ripped apart everything that James Cameron had done and it was really sad to me. I, I don't yeah. I, Alien 3, it was okay, right? It was okay. But they Alien, just, Alien 3 for me was like, I don't know, it's like though the story, the premise is very simple, I found it weirdly difficult to follow. Like because if you think about it, it's basically the same movie. It's basically Alien. Because there's one alien, and all of these people have no idea what they're dealing with, and the alien is picking them off one by one. 
So it's um, that's what I'm saying. Essentially, in a nutshell, it's the same film. Yeah, I think I think as a young younger Peter back then, I was disappointed. We I like the idea of multiple aliens, right? I liked that idea. Oh yeah, I thought that idea was super cool, and I but didn't you want can't, to... you can't do that without firepower, man. Right. Oh, no, I <laughs> get can't... it. I get it. I mean, I don't know. We're not going to unpack Alien Three today, but I was just ultimately I didn't like the premise of that movie, and it was just. Uh, I was just, just disappointed because they killed off everybody. They killed off Newt. They, you know, Bishop had a small scene. They killed off Corporal Hicks. You know, yeah, they killed like, off Hicks as well. Man, like those are some those are some like legendary characters that they just killed off. And like, it was just, and and like they were s- such a big deal in the in the previous film. Exactly, like they were like these iconic characters from the previous film, and to be killed off like that, it was. And then in like a dumb way, they're like, oh, they got pneumonia. While they were in the in the pods, sucks. Yeah, it was it was dumb. And then and there's actually so there's actually a comic book arc where they talk where Ripley and Hicks survive, but it's like I want it's so long since I read it, but it, it happened where there was aliens infestation on on Earth, and I can't remember the name of the arc, but Newt and Hicks and Ripley are all together and. They, it takes place on Earth, and that's actually one of. Them. And then there was actually a screenplay that included them that they recently released, like four years ago, I think. And they did an audio v- version with it, with Henriksen actually returning and Michael Bean returning to voice the, the original characters. It's really well done, and I, I highly recommend checking it out. I thought it was really cool, and it's very it's, it's way different compared to what they did with Alien Three. But I know we're going off on another tangent. For me, it was just special because it's something that my father and I shared growing up is we watched all of these like sci-fi movies, Predator, Aliens, Terminator, you know, horror movies too, which probably was too young to watch, but it just, it hit all of those notes. And if you think about it, like Aliens has a very, I mean, it did influence a lot of video games, but it had a very video game feeling, right? Because you have your you're going through progressions of the story and it leads all the way up to the the combat the with, final boss yeah <laughs> combat with and you literally had a fight with the final boss with like you're as like a, ro- a ripley as a robot versus the the fucking queen and like it just feels like i was thinking about, it just feels like a video game like nowadays and maybe that's maybe video games took from that and that's sort of like what started or influenced a lot of video games throughout the years is that like the at the end of a movie you fought the main bad guy and it turned into and kind of transitioned that to, to video games but i really felt thing like this is like a video game premise it really feels like you're fighting the final boss yeah and i don't know why i love horror i loved horror movies as younger but they scared the ever living shit we talked about like the blob messed me up i still can't watch the exorcist to this day i saw that's probably the first horror movie i ever saw and i saw the exorcist when i was like five or six and I'll never, yeah. I still can't watch that movie now. But man, I it was just it hit all the right notes. It the special effects, even which we're gonna <laughs> rose into my next question. The special effects for the time, like I was like, oh my god! I remember thinking, like, how the fuck did they shoot this? Like, what the hell? Like, how do they, how do they do all this? And then lo and behold, it was just miniatures. <laughs> they just use miniatures and they use like frames per second tricks, you know, to make it look, you know, like movement look to look natural look like giant objects and stuff but it was so well done for its time even as, like, when i was like younger i was like what the hell is this so there's actually a, a bunch of different stuff that they did so um just some some things here and there right so um for the wide scene 
a lot of people might not perceive it. It's kind of once you hear what I'm about to say, you'll never unsee it. Right. So um, for the scene when they are in the ship. Uh, at the end. And they're you they can look out and see the the the. The terraforming device. Right. OK. And they could, they're in the, the ship. flare when the flare goes off. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. When, yeah. When like right before it explodes, they're leaving and they're looking down at it right before the. Oh, right before OK. It explodes. OK. I know what you're right. yeah, yeah. Gotcha. OK. So in that scene, they're sitting in a mock. Of the ship and outside the window right there is just a projector. With the footage of the mini. So they filmed the stuff of the the, the facility, the mini. And then they blew it up on a projector and the actual actor sat in a cockpit and looked at it and went, wow, that's real. Like, <laughs> you know, they actually, so, they do that now in movies. So, in yeah, this, but it's, it's, it's not as commonplace. A lot of stuff is green screened or CGI'd, no, no, but I do know, I do know that it happens. They, they've, they're transitioning to this thing because they did it in Dune, but also, so I remember in the Batman, in the scene at the end, he's carrying a, a child right at the end. He's like walking He's carrying this child, I think, or someone that's injured. I can't remember specifically. It's been a while since I saw it. But that whole scene was shot with giant flat screen images in the background. Oh, wow. That whole scene was. And then in Dune, I want to say they did the same thing, but they also used a lot of yellow colored screens instead of green screens because it cast a glow of like yellow. So it looked like you're in a desert. So green screen screens would cast a glow or blue screens would cast a glow that didn't fit fit right and so they wanted to get the 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 colors right so they're actually doing it's that's interesting by that because they're actually doing that more now but with actual giant screens and not projecting it on there and right. i thought i think that's interesting that they're there i wonder why I, I don't know if they're doing that they've been doing that or if that's something new maybe but it's maybe, something, it, maybe it saves money yeah i i don't know but it, it i think it, it's a nice touch because i'm i think it looks better because you're getting the, the lighting from the actual screen and, and it looks like they're actually there. Like when you shoot on a green screen, you don't get, unless you get the lighting right, it's going to look kind of wonky. Like you see in MCU a lot where the lighting doesn't seem quite right. And even though they're running in like, like massive set pieces, it still looks kind of off because of the color. Yeah. And you're like, lighting. and you're also you're like the human body. Yeah. Well, that's, that, that's, <laughs> different. that's like the Spider-Man CGI, like uh, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man when, it would show them, or like uh, Neo flying in the the, the second yeah. Matrix movie. Like, okay, that's that's cool, but we know that scene. Yeah. Man. So they yeah. use the projector for that scene. They use that projector technique um, when the dropship is coming to pick them up. Alien kills the pilot, uh-huh. and they crash. That's a projector of a mini crashing, um, and they're just in a set. That has lighting effects and smoke. You mean when they're running like, away? When they're running away yeah, from when the they're when in? they're running? Yeah, that's a projector. Oh, that's interesting. That's actually kind of yeah. cool. I I was I was wondering how they shot that. You know, watching that right now, and I was kind of thinking like, that's not blue screen. It didn't look blue screen, but that's I, all. That's all a projector. And it's it still looked pretty good to me. So that's my next question to you. Does it stand the test of time? Oh, 100 percent. Are you insane? <laughs> that's not even a question you should just just Next when question. we when you when you drop the ep this uh this episode peter you should just edit that out that <laughs> all right this film definitely stands the test of time i mean like i said it's literally one of the most sci-fi uh based influential films 
period. It's regarded as one of the best sequels ever. I'm not arguing like, that. I mean, I agree. I was just wondering because, yes, I agree with you 100%. It does stand the test. Of, rewatching this movie, I watched it two nights ago. It definitely feels like it stands the test of time, which, like, if you go back and watch Terminator 1 and watch the T-800 walking, like, that sure looks like that does not stand the test of time, right? But the way this movie was shot, like, way that they, they, they did this on purpose. Like, they, they shot a lot of the aliens in dark air, in dark scenes, so you didn't really get, a, like, a full view of them, like, a full nice view of them, because they wanted to keep them sort of, they didn't want to make it look like a man in a suit, right? That was what their, right. their whole plan was. And so that's why it was shot that way. And I think that's one of the reasons why the practical effects stand the test of time. I will say that the dropship in the beginning when they're flying through space and stuff, like it looked kind of like, I don't know, but this feels very Star Wars-esque, you know, like in space. And hard. Stuff. It's a hard scene to shoot, man. Yeah. Out, outside of that one scene, but then when they cut to that scene where the clouds are, are clearing out and they're flying in, you can see like the water hitting the, 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 the cockpit. Yeah. That was like, okay, that stands test time. It was like, so I thought so of a you few know, things. You know what's funny? You know what's funny? When you talk about effects in order to hide the magic of the film, there's a lot of people, I get, this is like a really, I learned about this maybe, and I was like, there's no way. That's insane. So the scene you're talking about, where uh, the ship is flying in and the clouds, and you're like, that definitely. It could have looked even more fake. The reason it came out as good as it did is because they made the shot and then they played the shot on a TV and then filmed the TV with a camera in order to distort it more to hide the the effects of that scene from the viewer. Oh, interesting. I'm not sure. They did that. that. They did. They did that a lot, too. Huh. That's interesting. Every that's also the effect that they did for every camera, every helmet mounted camera that the Marines wear. They, instead of showing the feed, they would just have a shitty TV play what a cameraman would film. And then they would film the TV screen and then that's what they would blow up to fill the monitor to fill the viewers. TV. So it's interesting you brought up those cameras. That's actually interesting. I didn't know that. That's actually an interesting fun fact. I didn't know that, but it does make sense. It's, it's, I always love these little trickeries they do to for special effects to to give like it's the attention to detail that really matters in, in things like that. And you can see like it's when they're doing things that small, there's a reason why this movie was, you know, was beloved beloved by so many people and why it's regarded as one of the best sci-fi movies of all, all time. You talk about those cameras and it makes me always think about like how people depict what the future will be like. So this is supposed to be, they don't, I don't think, I think it's like 2087. I can't remember specifically the year that this takes place, but I don't remember either, but I thought it was really interesting to see how, you know, how people think the future was going to be. And in this film, they have these giant ass fucking cameras, right? To film them when they're doing stuff. And I also thought it was interesting that they had a lieutenant giving tactical orders based off of screens that they could see. I thought that was interesting because I, I you don't know better than me because you're in a, you're in you're in combat. 
comma MOS. And I was kind of like, that doesn't seem very practical. But anyways, I just thought it was really interesting because nowadays we have cameras the size smaller than our fingertips, you know, like in there in this movie, they have these, and there's a scene where uh, Paul Reiser's character, Burke, he like f- opens up his briefcase and he has like papers, like, and he's like reading stuff off, like in the future, like right now that we're going towards, like paper is not going to be, it's almost non-existent now. Like no one's going to have briefcases with papers, yeah. you know, in the, in the future. And I thought that was really interesting. I did like, there was, so this is actually, we'll get into it in the extended cut. She sits there, Rip, or Ripley's sitting there, and there's this projector screen, and she turns it off with a remote. You know, I thought that was very, very accurate to like what we're going to be seeing in the future because we already have projectors, right? We see we have these galaxy things that we can put in our rooms for whatever, and then projects to galaxies on the wall. We have projectors everywhere. I feel like that having like a a, a scene like that playing on the wall while you're in space to sort of emulate Earth. I kind of feel like it's fairly kind of accurate and I kind of of like that but what do you think about the technology and and specifically the tactical camera system you know I thought okay (laughs) right did you you know what I'm getting there right you were thinking the same thing too you're smiling I think you're thinking Um, you're thinking sort of the same thing as me okay I would have to look it up I intended to I wanted to know what it actually was what that device was it looks like a PBS 14 body pbs 14 is the the night vision device is the single monocle you've Uh used it Uh um so i swear to god they stripped all the plastic off of it and just shoved that thing on there but the thing is um that uh thing is that those things are like four grand a pop so Mm. and everybody had one no, it's not explicitly shown. They show only one up in close detail where they attach it to the guy to he attaches it. To but other than that, like that's it. So that's what they um, use for the cameras. Like, yeah, that's what that's what oh. my assumption is. That's what okay. my assumption. Okay. is. I don't know for sure. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like the body of the night vision monocle. That's what it looks like to me. But I could be wrong. It could be an actual lens that I am unaware of. I'd have to. However, I did like um, that they took. Basically, Star Wars did it. Star Wars did it with the weapons. So <laughs> the weapons are funny because so the um, I think it's called the M four M four one A. I forget what it's called. But um, the pulse rifle. Let's call it that. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pulse rifle. I know pulse, what that the, is. Yeah. The, yeah. yeah. You yeah, should know the, you pulse, know the movie Pulse Rifle. Yeah. Yeah. The pulse rifle. So the pulse rifle is James Cameron designed it. He designed that weapon from its firepower and capabilities, from attachments, the whole weapon James Cameron designed from the ground. And so the weapon, it looks pretty futuristic in and of itself. But it's just some plastic casing slapped onto Tommy gun with the, 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 the U.S. Army Thompson magazine, not the drum magazine, stick magazine, the plastic cap on the body, lap into the body. And then the rest of the body is comprised of a Spaz-12 shotgun, which is interesting because the gun itself looks futuristic. But the Spaz, this film came out in 86. So Spaz 
is was a friend was an Italian weapon used by only served from seventy nine to two thousand. So it's an Italian weapon. So it was very wasn't popular in the West. So and the weapon in and of itself for that time looks very futuristic. Yeah, it has like these slotted um, um, vents on the barrel shroud, or as a barrel shroud, it has like these slits on the side. It looks futuristic, and now. I promise you, if you ever look at a pulse, a pulse rifle again, and you remember what I just told you, you're not going to be able to unsee it. Like, it's a Tommy gun, spaz, mashed into one thing, and then the rest of it is just plastic casing that's been placed and stamped or whatever to the to the to the frame that stuck the two. That, now, that's another, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another thing that's cool: the flamethrower is. An M16 with the stock removed and the fucking, just a gas, ca- a, a CO2 canister attached to the bottom. That's it. I think hell, it might. How do they actually shoot flames out of it? They probably rigged up a wire system. Oh. I don't know. Probably not be functional as it is. She might have had like a pack or a hose that they obscure in the film that she's holding to you. Well, but it's an, it's an M16. Here, the stock that she holds where the trigger, the handle, where the, where the pistol grip is, then where the magazine would go is a canister, and, and the rest of it is an M16. You could just, just, I mean, watch it again and look really closely. Another thing that's really interesting is the, um, the smart gun. The I, one I, that yeah, I know has, this. I know what you're about to talk about. I thought, yeah, go ahead. I know about the so smart gun. It's super interesting. Obviously, that's an MG. That's a German machine gun. This is an MG forty two. Is it anti aircraft machine gun? Is that what it no, was? No, the MG four. The MG forty two is a is crew served weapon. You and a gunner. What held off American troops during D Day? That's what Vasquez and yes, that's Burke? what they're not carrying. Burke. Uh, no, no, not Burke. Uh, Drake, his name? Private Drake. Drake. Yeah, right, Private Drake. So that's what they have, and it's just mounted on a camera dolly. Yeah. Now, the thing is, camera rig, exactly. I don't know if it's called a dolly, but port system. And so it works. And the crazy thing is, is that those weapons in the film were fucking functional. Those were functional weapons. That whole system is a real thing. You can see it. And then it just, it has a motorcycle handle in the back. And you squeeze the brake lever to shoot it. So it, it actually pulls, fired blanks. They actually rigged it with a motorcycle. Yeah, they rigged it. They rigged it. Yeah, they rigged it with blanks. Oh. The whole system. If you look, it has a forward charging handle. Yeah. In the rear, has a bicycle, a motorcycle handle. It has the. I call it the brake lever, whatever that you have on a bike or motorcycle, and you squeeze it and it fires, and so the way that this the it functions is that same way with brakes. Same way with uh, when you charge weapons that are mounted in vehicles. Now, there's a wire that you press the tr- that thing. It pulls the trigger assembly and fires the weapon. And then when you release it, it releases that tension off of the trigger and stops firing. That's totally real. You can YouTube it. There's a dude in a no, range <laughs> straight up with full full auto MG42, but it lo- it's the smart gun. And then obviously they have... Um, it has like a drum fixture on it, which is what carries the rounds. I mean, the weapon is belt fed. Cool, but they have the to make it more futuristic. 
not just have hanging belts of ammunition. Um, but one thing that I thought was cool is, I guess, I don't know if this is the way that they intend for ammunition to be displayed or interpreted, but he says, I want everybody to hand in their magazines. You can't shoot in there. You're going to blow everybody up, yeah. right? And he's like, all right, you heard the man, magazines, blah, blah, blah. And then everybody gives up their magazines. Asquez. Coupling. And I don't know if that's like something that one function, it's not connected to like maybe a control box that's on the soldier, or if that somehow is where ammunition is stored. But the thing no. is that. That was almost something I, that, that allows the gun to be functional because as soon as. Exactly. They, like, they it's were, just like. It's like, yeah, imagine if you were a machine gunner and you had to give rid of all your ammo, like, you know what I'm saying, on top of everything else to one guy. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all the, all the, like, the, all that ammo that they they carry. So, that's what my my assumption is that, like, it probably goes to, like, some kind of control box that's on the user that enables it to fire. Yeah. Like, it's probably, like, a secondary fail safe. I tell you, especially, brother, because as a kid, I used to think that was their ammo when I was a kid. Yeah. So did I when I was a kid. And then now watching it as, like, the several dozens of times I've watched it as an adult, I've always just wondered, like, that was their intent. They never show how it's loaded. No, they never explained anything. It was just this little thing, like, you, you saw them connect. Yeah, they never and explained then, it, but, yeah. I always, when you're talking about the, okay, the reason this film is so successful is because of the colonial marine aspect. I mean, that's definitely plays a huge part in why this film, people, my God, it's the horror movie, but they made it more like guns and explosions. Cool. So I watching it as a service member that has been in situations where I'm trying to give commands or take, receive command. This movie super, super cringy. If you I, think I, I, and he's I'll, like, does anybody, when Gorman is like, does anybody have any questions? And Hudson's like, raises his hand. He's like, but is it private? He's like, yes, yeah, sir. When can I get out of this chicken shit outfit? You die. You just die on the spot. <laughs> like, obviously, Apone is like, you lock that shit up. But like, what? <laughs> yeah. How dare, how dare you? New LT or not? Like, and then at the same time, I don't, I need to understand more. Maybe I'm going to read. We'll read a little bit. I've never, I've never done that. Probably bothers. These guys are grown men. How old was How old was Bill Paxton? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Eighty six, but he looks like a grown dude. He doesn't look like a private. No, privates look like they like privates look like teenagers. Yeah, Corporal Hicks. I thought that was funny. I was like, there, so I don't want to like shed this. There's so many things where I think about like how ill-prepared they were or like the moment they figured out they couldn't use their weapons i'd be like wouldn't you retreat back like you're already oh, shit's already super weird you found out where everyone's at you're the the weapons oh, yeah. you have like right you're you're already like you realize it's like situational awareness right and you're kind of like okay we can't proceed we, like you're not combat effective they had fucking pistols right like one of the dudes what was it uh private frost i think had a pistol that's what he was using, and then he had the Hicks pistol had a shotgun. He had the, he had the pistol because yeah, because yeah, exactly. But they said small arms fire only, right? And I'm like, 
I don't know. It's like I, I can unpack that and dive deep into it more than I should. Yeah, like, small arms and yeah. and um and flames, flame flame. So that kind of bothered me, and then the fact that they had nobody else on the ship. No, you sent you sent all of your people on planet. Oh, you mean there's nobody in the Sulaco? Yeah, you just left. There's no 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 backup team. You know that came with you. It's just all you by yourself. When you know you, you Ripley already gave you all this intel about how hostile aliens and the possibility of being. I don't even know how many Marines are in this outfit because it's they're definitely smaller than a platoon. Yeah, I was saying you had all this inf- intel from from Ripley, right? And they knew and they started to believe her because that's why they went to her. They said, "Hey, Hadley's hope. We lost contact with the with the colonists, right?" So you knew how hostile these creatures were. Yet you only sent ten, ten roughly, right? No, it is ten. It's ten. So they sent ten down there because you had you had Alpha and Bravo team, right? That was it. That was yep. it. And then you had, and then I'm um, sent a squad. That's all you send, and I'm just like, oh, I was thinking. About, I was really like trying to go to bed after I watched that movie. <laughs> and it's like one of those things I kept thinking about. Like they only had ten people. They didn't, yeah, hundred percent. Leave like five people just in case. Just the yeah. case who planned and this. then on top so- and then on top of that too, the way that mission um, and tactical aspect he's like, I want you to bound back by squads and provide some and uh, uh, implement a base of fire, a suppressive fire with the flame units and bound back by squads. I'm like, sir, let him deal with it. You're him trying to listen to what the fucking officer, the lieutenant is saying is what got Apone killed. Because he's yeah. not yeah. paying attention. Yeah, exactly. But see, this is the thing. This is a sign of the times because we didn't have the internet, right? We, didn't, we couldn't look this shit up. We didn't have people on YouTube or podcasts like blasting the tactical aspects of this mission. You know what I mean? Like, we didn't have that back then. So I think for its time, it was... About oh no! For accurate. its time, it looked it looked I'm good saying, as fuck. Yeah, I think for its time, it was about as accurate as you could get for a space marine movie. But yeah, I was thinking about today is like, yeah, imagine being in combat right now and you have some fucking lieutenant ear giving you combat commands. Like, mm, mm, I don't know about that. Like, like in real time, while you're watching a video feed, you don't even see. Like, I don't know. That isn't sh- e- that isn't even good. The video feed isn't even good. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, it's right. not even a good video feed. It's right. bad. And you don't like, you don't even have a map showing like layout of like you know you don't see anything like you don't know you don't have like a, a real-time like in video games you have a real-time map of the area you're in you can see like where cover is at or whatever you didn't have any of that you just have the cameras to go off of and i'm just thinking like the practicality of this seems very difficult or not but still to this day i love it i mean what do you want me to yeah every second you know what it. i'm with you 100 but when you actually start to start unpacking, like you peel back like one layer and you start peeling back the other layer, you're just like, oh, if you just keep going and going and going. I will yeah. say, so those most of you don't know, I was a radio operator maintainer in the army. He will say, Sergeant did say, say again, all after something, something. And I was like, yes, accurate yeah. radio speak. <laughs> accurate radio speak. Yeah. Yes. And they didn't say over and out. (laughs) They didn't say over and out at all in this movie. If you can do a movie, a military movie, and not say over and out, I am very happy. Whenever I hear over and out, I just cringe. Because, so, for those of you who don't know, you don't, 
when you say over, you end your, your transmission with over, that means you're waiting for a transmission to come back from the other person on the other line. When you say out, that means your transmission is done and you're not going to send another, you're not going to send another transmission or another, you're not, your conversation's over with, right? Yeah. So you're basically, it's, 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 it's a double negative or it's an oxymoron. You can't say over and out. You can't say over, I'm waiting for more information than out, I'm done with my transmission. So whenever I see here over and out or see it in a movie, it just drives me fucking crazy. Like that is not military speak. And a lot of other military people probably, probably get the same way too. But that was accurate radio speak. And I was like, good on them for that. I was like, holy shit. I was shocked. I, I, also, I also noticed very, uh, very happy to see. I was fucking smiling because I didn't even think about that now. I was literally yeah. smiling the other night when I watched that. So, all right. So we, we kind of tore into some of the military stuff, which is fun because, you know, your current active duty, I was prior, prior service. So it's fun to kind of look, look back and see how our knowledge of, of the military and, and, and tactical situations and how it worked out in this film was just, it was fun. So I wanted to, I want, so the original question was, does it, does it stand the test of time? I, yeah, I agreed with you. It does stand the test of time. There was a few things. So when they do the miniature shots now, I know. So it's easily like when I was younger, I saw these and like I was saying, how the fuck do they do this? Oh my God, it looks so cool. But then I found out it was miniatures and now I can't unsee it. Yeah. Like I just I just think of little little toy cars, you know, like like me like, building a like set. You find out that a lot of stuff is in mini is minis in Lord of the Rings. And you're just like, no, my childhood. Like that's the way it is for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But in Terminator 2, I will say that actually still I think I mean, Terminator 2 came out on, what, 92, I think, 92? So six years after that, so they probably had time to increase the detail on these things. In a lot of those scenes that did, like, the planet on the planet miniature scenes reminded me of a lot of the futuristic scenes in Terminator 2, and like, in the beginning of Terminator 2. So there was a lot of, obviously, a lot of similarities there, but I still feel like Terminator 2, going back and watching that, those miniature special effects don't really seem as jarring to me like when i watched it it wasn't like oh my god that's that's tiny that's a fucking toy whereas i watched aliens and i was like that's a fucking miniature man that's a toy like that that's like smaller than my hand you know like and that, i it, it was sort of sort of hard for me to see those but for the most part it didn't like it wasn't like breaking immersion or whatever ruining the film for me i just thought it was kind of funny knowing what i know now and then seeing that like oh that's a toy but being way younger i was like oh my god that's amazing how the hell do well, there's, they do there's, that? There's so many things that are like insane in this. Sigourney Weaver, arguably, she's a very she's a very light weighted individual. She's very slender in the film. Yeah, and yet she's rocking grenades and 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 explosives and flares and a, and uh, this was insane. She strapped two guns. She strapped two weapons just, together duct taped them yeah. together and she has all that and she's carrying it like a like an eight-year-old kid and so what's funny is that during those scenes that's a dummy that cinches around her waist that's a dummy that weighed like less than a, a pound and a half that they strapped to her body that's not the that's not the actress when she's just standing there shooting it no when she's She's firing and running around with both weapons holding the actress. That's a, a dummy. 
Oh, you're, you're talking about holding Newt. Yes. At the end. Okay, yeah, okay, gotcha. You confused me there for a minute. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. That's like, I mean, anyone, anyone knows. I, I don't know the, the weight. I should know this because it was brained in my head when I was in the service, but imagine the weight of, like, two M16s fully loaded, like, or even a grenade oh, launcher. Or like, and then, and then trying to carry a child and shoot, like, holy fuck. You know, that'd be hard yeah. for you and I, and we're, I mean, we're in yeah. pretty good shape still, you know, yeah. like. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a movie, right? You know, it's like one of those things you just kind of suspend disbelief a little bit, a little bit there. But yeah, but yeah. I, overall, I really think yeah, it did stand the test of time. It's like not one like the special like one like for me, Phantom Menace. I feel like the the special effects does not stand the test of time, right? And that's one of the problems with I think with CG is it ages worse stuff like miniatures and practical effects. Because like Phantom yeah. Menace, like, look at look at Jar Jar Binks now. Regardless of his character, which they that looks shitty as fuck, man. Like it is not good special <laughs> effects. It's horrible. I mean, it's just bad. But yeah, I it was really fun to go back and watch this movie. One hundred percent. I want to talk a little bit. You didn't know this, so I shared my copy of the version of the movie with you that I <clears throat> own. And it was the extended cut. And you didn't know this, but so the ex- we just talked about this before we, we filmed it. The extended cut is about 30 minutes longer. And I will give you some information, which I'm not sure if you knew this or not. So the sentry guns were not in the original cut. The Wait, sentry guns. I've, what? I, that's I, like always been a thing. I pro- Maybe you saw the extended cut. It's possible you saw the extended cut and that was what it was. I've it always wasn't. remembered them. Yeah. B gun. D gun. 50 left on D. Yeah. Oh, God, no, they're coming. Because the reason why I remember this is because my dad had a laser disc player and he bought the extended edition of Aliens and we had watched it. And so that was actually a scene, the scene where she's sitting there and she's like, I was talking about she clicks on the wall. I'm pretty sure that was part of the extended cut. All the scenes of Hadley's Hope, that's all in the extended version. None of that was in the original cut. None of that had loose hope. And this is what one of my gripes with the extended cut was like, I really thought the leaving the idea of Hadley's hope up to the viewer, like just that the leaving it up to, to the viewer to think about was perfect. That was like the best thing to do. Cause we, in the original cut, you didn't see anything about Hadley's hope at all. Like not, no cuts, no scenes. You didn't see newt. You didn't see her father get the, the thing. You didn't see them go. All that stuff was not in the theatrical. And her little, cut. her little brother and everything. Yeah, none of that stuff was in a theatrical cut. And I, I think that actually made for the, that made the movie better because you just you had all of this, all of this mystery behind this colony that they just told her that was there. You know, and like it, it, it cuts you off from them, and then it just makes you wonder, like, oh my god, what's what's happening there? What happened to them? Did the alien get to them? And you don't know any of this, right? So you don't know in the original cut how that happened. You just get there. Right. You just know transmission was cut. And they had to send. Uh, they were sending Marines out there because they 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 knew the corporate Wayland knew about this, right? Because they they the original movie they found out that they were sent there for this because they knew about it, right? So this was all Wayland, all the conspiracy stuff they knew about this. But anyways, they wanted the viewer to just not know and be disconnected, and then so well, yeah, all that stuff. It didn't, it, you didn't know anything about it. And I thought it made for a better flow of the movie and it made the feeling of the movie a little bit better, I will say, because it's just like, you're just like, oh my God, you don't know anything about the, this. All you know is there's a colony there and you're like, holy fuck, there's aliens there and they're yeah. all fucked. They're all like, what is going on? 
you don't know like are they being like what happened like, you didn't know about a queen like imagine seeing this movie like, we've seen it a bajillion times imagine first time seeing this movie or remember the first time you saw it like, right you know all that stuff that happened so that was that's the only what thing i'm like, saying that's what i'm saying like for the time it's insane they had a visible a visible display of a realistic what i think arguably speaking is a realistic direction that the human race could go in terms of technology right obviously we know that it's just mixing putting motorcycle we know that but that's the future i'm but i'm saying that like it's a believable and you know how none of the marines are disciplined at all um but still like it's it's a believable thing so like it resonates more because it doesn't the future that you're looking at doesn't as far away as it is you know what i'm saying Mm, i i guess like for example right you're you watch this movie and you're like this is the future 100 percent. there's no way this is not the future but at the same time, the guy, like you said, he's reading off a paper. And the boardroom that Ripley sits in is, she's talking to all the executives and stuff. Looks dated. It doesn't look futuristic to us. But at the time, it probably looks super futuristic. But you could still see the datedness of it. Argue, like, you look at it objectively, you could be like, oh, I know what that is. And then you know that like vets that went to see this movie were like right there i see it i'm looking at it right now yeah no i okay i think i get get what you're saying i think cuz when i when i see this movie i think it's i guess i was thinking more when you said it's the future like that's what the future is going to be like or it's a good depiction or a nice an accurate representation of what the future could be like, right I- or for the peep for people in that time okay yeah okay yeah because you i mean yeah that was 20 30, no 36 years ago 1986 2022 <clears throat> is my math correct 36 years ago god damn right 36 years ago holy fuck right but in, okay in, <laughs> yeah but dude in in 86 nobody was like yeah i'll have a little device in my hand where oh, i can no, just exa- that's what I'm, exactly i was gonna google say- any bit of information that i want Right, you know? yeah. They they didn't know that there was going to be uh, AI machine. I think, I guess, uh, 2001 Space Odyssey was closer because they had AI, like an AI robot. But, yeah, they. I mean, that's why I said the some of the smaller things of, like, having... So, having cameras on soldiers, I could see that being a thing in the future, but not giant hunking cameras being directed by a lieutenant in the back but i could see because you already have body cams on cops now they're not getting directions from people but you already have body cams you could literally stream yourself right now with any type of phone device right so gopro yeah exactly so it's not it's not that far-fetched so it's actually kind of interesting how some of those things are sort of fairly accurate you know from 36 years ago Right, but they didn't have touch screens. Nothing was touch screens. It was all keyboard, right? And so, it's just it's fun to look back and see how things are depicted 
the future. The only thing that always gets me is cryosleep. Like that's the one thing we just don't know. Everyone, like, how do we try? How do we traverse large distances throughout space? Because it takes a lot of time, and they seem to get around that with cryosleep. And I don't think there's much evidence to support that that can be a possibility yet. So anytime we talk about space travel, I still think that that's not a viable thing, even though it's sort of a plot device or a you know way to just get around certain things about space or whatever. I also thought it was interesting Bishop was in cryosleep because he's a he's a fucking android. So I was wondering yeah. maybe it was just because they like they just wanted. Everyone do they to- show? Do they show him waking or just he just gets put in the pot at the end? I wanted. I swore he he was he woke up. I know that. Yeah, you're right. They they definitely put him in the pot at the end. But like, why do you yeah, even need the, to put him in the, the pod? He's he's not human. Like, why does he need to be in cryosleep? Why couldn't you just leave him on, <laughs> strap him down to the fucking table, man? Like, you don't need to put him in cryosleep. So but- actually, so the films take place in. Here, twenty one, twenty two, seventy nine. It has like, to be roughly fifty seven like, years, right? It has yeah, yeah, no, no, no. That's that, that is correct. I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that. It's a crazy thing to think that. See this film in 1986, and you're like, "Wow!" Like you're so amazed by all of this futuristic stuff. But because to you, it all seems familiar. Like, for example, stuff in like Iron Man and Avengers stuff and other movies that are about the future that are that are airing now that it's now in our time period in our filmmaking ability with our CGI and stuff like that is so insane with what we can do. Unreal Engine. All this other crazy, all this other crazy stuff that we think we can literally now like create these inconceivable feats of technology, but the constraints of the 1980s, the craziest thing that they had that they had that people were like, "That's fucking wild." How does that even make sense? Was a lightsaber. How do I hold concentrated plasma in my hand near my face? And not just melt. To this day, I ask myself. Is it even concentrated plasma? It is. So that's actually outlawed. That's what the, that's. Do we I mean? Do we even have like scientific evidence to talk about how hot that burns? And if it would burn, I mean, face? I don't remember. I I remember watching something about it, but. I mean that that is so different because so. My problem, my thing exactly, with that, but my, like that's so, like it's a fantastical thing. It's a fantastical thing that blows your mind. Yeah, like you can't even begin. Like if you sat down and you were like, "Okay, I'm gonna make a lightsaber." Like the we only recently created the one. I forget who made it, but they made one, and it's like it's a concentrated, yeah. it's a concentrated beam of of plasma. But he can't. It's not as like swingable, it takes you a minute to cut through stuff, but it's he, he has it, you know. But they also have kyber crystals is where they get their power from. So like it's so fictional to me, like that lightsaber. Exactly, but you're like, I know that there's some light coming out of the stick that the dude's holding, and it's really hot, super duper hot. 
but it's not hot enough to burn me if I put my hand near it like this. Yeah, I think so. So you're talking about when you're talking about Star Wars sci-fi to like this sci-fi to to like alien sci-fi, like that's more fiction to me. That's more just like magic shit, right? That there's no exactly. science saying, behind that. There's actually science and technological history and and stuff that they used for this movie, you know, as as resources. Right, 100%. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm getting uh-huh. at is that when you're in 1986 and you watch this movie, act with it because you're like, I can see. I can talk. Okay, yeah. Yeah. The future the future being like. Yeah. But I think but most then, people get like Star Trek, right? Star Trek's heavily heavily based on more of science in in real science you know it's more science and fiction where star wars is sort of like i always call it like yeah the force which is like fucking magic you know? it's more fictional it's like fantasy pretty sure you just oh i'm sure i'm not i'm not i'm not shitting on on fucking star wars i love star wars i actually like star wars more than I like star trek i mean shit on but wait. i love star wars that's what i'm saying like yeah there's things about star wars that, that we can shit on but all right we're going off on a, on a tangent yeah 100 percent. um which we have a tendency I'm done. <laughs> it's fine. So, <clears throat> the last thing I just want to kind of talk about is female protagonists. Ooh. Right? So, Sigourney Weaver, amazing protagonist, who is also a female, which isn't pretty crazy for this, you know, it was almost like a trendsetter, right? And that was thanks to James Cameron, because if you watch that, that movies that made us, he literally wrote this role for Sigourney Weaver and everything was based around around her and I think that's sort of like I think you had sort of had an effect on me like I'm I'm hugely attracted to very independent and strong women like that's just like that gets you know <laughs> that gets the juices going <laughs> so I I'm very very uh, attracted to those type of type of women and I probably because of James Cameron but what do you what do you think about that like when you go back and you you look and it wasn't being done. You had James Bond women, right? Like damsel in distress, sexy, right? There really what there really wasn't even though Sigourney Weaver was sexy as hell, it wasn't there was none of that sexualism that was even barely even like she, shown. She wasn't she wasn't overtly but no sexual. not at all. I mean there's some scenes where she's in her underwear, but everyone else was in their underwear too, so it sort of like fit. It wasn't like if she was the only one in her underwear like walking around. And you know, the camera the camera yeah. is like, oh, let's reveal our character. The camera's p- panning from the ankles all the way. It slows down very slightly buttocks and then continues up to the main characters. Right. Like, okay, we know, yeah, exactly. we know what you're doing. We know what you're doing. Mass uh, effect uh, butt shot. Box. <laughs> but you know? Yes. But so, but yeah, no, you're right. Like it, every scene where she, guess what you exposed? Everybody else is fucking. Yeah, it, it, so it's it fits. Like, there's it fits no the scene. over. Right, it fits the scene, and yeah. it's not. If, not distasteful. It's, I didn't even see it. I didn't even perceive it in a sexualized way. I mean, no, even they're, in they're get they're getting dressed. They woke up out of hypersleep. They're getting dressed. And even in the in 1979 Alien, like there was a, I think a few scenes, but it was like not. She was. Uh, it was really that, that. I mean, it's just crazy to me that back then you didn't have any. If you think like you didn't have any, and it was almost like paved a way for 
like studios to see you can have a female protagonist and it be a success right and i thought that was so cool and just so awesome and james cameron good on him for you know writing that role for her and doing portraying her the way he did and i just thought that was really a really great story and just really cool and i just love i mean ripley was like man like she's like an icon to me you know sigourney weaver Uh, she hated them. The weapons? When she has weapons in the film, she hated every single moment because she already is starkly against guns. Oh, oh. So like, so any, so when she was like, can I just do the scene with? Interesting. It was very, it was very difficult. Oh, I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I didn't. That's a testament to how good of an actress she is because you don't believe, you fucking believe every single one of those scenes where she's like, ah, and like shooting at shit. Man, yeah. And that, then that, that, that whole movie, the whole film, the action, not the whole film. No, let's say the whole film. Ellen Ripley is just big dick energy, the whole movie. She's in the boardroom with the execs and she's like, you guys fucking suck. I'm telling you. And then later on, she's like talking to the lieutenant, like, shut up. You don't know shit. You need to pull your men out of there. Like she's telling people what's up left and right. She's she gets, a strong she gets, female yeah, she, lead. Like she, she knows gets in, what the she fuck gets is in, up. Yeah, she's never I never saw her as a victim. No. Oh, no, not at all. She was there like she was. Right. I mean, and then man. she goes into the hive. And she shows the queen. She's like, this is fire. Yeah. These are your children. I will fuck you. And the queen's like, all right, just. Yeah. Dope. No, no. But yeah, but then she started fucking everything up, though. Yeah, then she started fucking everything up. Classic, dude, when she's blowing shit up and shooting the queen's like egg laying. Egg egg sack, whatever. Liquids popping out of there, and you just hear. Oh God, that must have been so horrible. Yeah, man, and man, and so we talked about sound a little bit. I gotta say, like the iconic, the movie, the sounds, like the the pulse rifle All, sound, everything, even the, the smart gun, the the smart gun, the, the, even the launcher, the la- the grenade launcher makes a very distinct. Yeah, <laughs> and then obviously the motion sensor, the motion tracking, and motion motion sensor, oh, like. That's like ingrained in my brain forever. Right, and you and like, I one of the things I could not find was I I, I was looking around. I just couldn't find any reliable information. We may mind to talk about this again. Was how they made these sounds right? Like I love like how Star Wars did certain things, like with the lightsaber sound and the Tie Fighter sound. But like, how did they come up with the pulse rifle sound and the smart rifle sound? Like, how did they come up with with that or the 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 queen sounds, you know, and it, it, yeah. I, I, I looked, I couldn't find anything accurate. So I wasn't sure. I didn't want to share an episode cause I might have to revisit that another time, but man. So yeah, just, just, I always awesome. laughed at some of this. St- and I, I always laugh at some of the folly. You like, for example, it's pulling the grate, the grating to get, even though you can visibly see that the alien's hand is not really that trying to grab her, still they implement that sound effect where it's like, 
like yeah. a whip sound. But you can see the hand is like, it's not that fast. <laughs> like, like you're, this child can easily escape you. There's no wire. And then they put that little, like that little wispy sound. Yeah, to, to emphasize the yeah. idea that it's fast. But yeah. It, yeah. They actually yeah. shot some of the scenes. So I don't remember specifics, but they actually shot some of the queen scenes at uh, 18 frames per second. And so I think Ripley had, or Sigourney Weaver had to act slower like in slow-mo and so then they sped it up in post afterwards because yeah it was really interesting uh they talk about it in the movies that made us but yeah she had to in certain scenes they shot they shot at 18 frames per second because the the movement was like slow they sort of like sped it up to make it look you know to catch up to make it look real like realistic movement i thought that was kind of interesting so there's a few scenes all right before we we're, we're getting to the end here. There's a few things I just want to talk about for me that I want and I want to know too. Some of your favorite scenes. So one of my favorite scenes in that movie that just, I mean, I want to say maybe it's not favorite, but one of the scenes that I just remember that's iconic to me is when Newt falls. She's in the, she falls down and oh. she's in the water. And they like first yep. before that she falls down and she loses her and she's like, freaking out right and then you're like oh my god newt holy fuck and then she, she falls down the vent yeah that vent that's rolling that that Goes just terrified down me as a kid like oh my god where does that go you know like who knows and then they fucking find her and then they there's you got the fucking motion tracking going off and then he's like trying to cut with the welder to get to her and then she's just standing in the water and you see the alien come up behind her and i'm like holy. Yeah, that was a that was an amazing Dude, there's that, like it's there's really it's really like three scenes, four really that I can say are like my favorite that give you that sensation of like this existential just dread, like it's fucking over. Yeah. So that would be the scene in question for you. I think I bet you the know scene, going with this. The scene where the the scene where the aliens start to come out of the walls for the Marines okay. when they're going through, yeah. when they're going through the hive. Um, the scene where the elevator opens and you just have this very, 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 um, like very slight strobe lighting, but it's very dark and misty in the elevator and the queen like leans out and she shows her face out of the darkness. That's like top tier scenery. Then the last one, I said four, I had them all in mind, but I can't remember. Well, what do you think about that? The one for me. When, when Hicks goes up into the the false roof the false ceiling yes and sees the aliens they play that orchestral well, music Susie looks up and is like yeah. you're like oh shit he's like shooting yeah. and falling back like that's yeah, like yeah. all that's all of us that's all of us are you know what's that crazy moment. is that for that scene that scene's actually upside down the actors are crawling oh that makes sense yeah and then they and then they just turn the scene upside down and make it so hang on in that same scene when uh that hicks fucking hudson that same scene at the end they come up through the floor oh yeah 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 and they grab him and pull him down he's like shooting him and then they and then you see the hand cover his fucking face and then you hear this scream man that was nightmare fuel for me for like a good 10 years like holy fuck i was i watched movie recently i was like that is terrifying like that sound and all that and like the music is playing like holy shit and even watching it now i was getting kind of like chills like just watching him hearing that scream seeing a hand cover his face and pulling him down it's like 
oh fuck dude like that's you just... know what when you talk about that stuff like this and someone's death affecting you yeah is one of them for me it's because you're talking about hudson's he gets pulled into the floor mm-hmm. for me i get that sensation a pump he gets dragged up and then they can see his camera and then it blacks out and then all you have is audio and you hear him literally being ripped to shreds and at first he's like groaning like uh, uh, like and he's like oh yeah and audio, you hear it on the radio then, yeah you yeah hear it and the then radio. throughout throughout the beginning of the film he's like a tough character he's like let's go motherfuckers like he's like come on move out like rah, rah, like screaming and barking orders but then when he gets picked up by this by the alien he screams like a like a weakling and it's just like a testament to how powerful this thing is that in a matter of mere seconds your life is fucking over and you knew that they were like okay someone was like it was james cameron they're like all right we're gonna do this but i want all the sounds to come from the speaker and i don't want so that when no one knows what's going on like just that idea of hearing someone dying over audio is fucking horrible you know and like oh and okay last scene for me clean ripping bishop in half Oh yeah, that whole fucking scene when you're like, ah, oh, ah, oh, okay, boom, and you're just like that music is playing, like that ramping up music, and it's all in slow mo, and then you just see this thing, and he's just like getting raised up into the and air, that, and that liquid is just yeah, shooting, shooting out of his out. mouth, and she's trying to help him and hold yeah. him down, and she's getting covered with it. Oh my god, it's oh, amazing. My, oh my, and watching that again, I'm still like, and he's like, you know, he's not human, but it's just like. It still fucked you up. It was great, yeah. And then you just see him, and then the queen just rips him in half. I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, yeah, you know, like just and just rips him in half. And I was like, "Man, this is fucking awesome." Even like all these years later, I'm just watching it. I'm just like, "This is so good and horrible and just so well done." And I think the reason it works like that so well is because of how realistic his android is. Like, obviously, it looks like Bishop looks like a real person. Yeah. Right? Just like uh, the android in. He looked like a real person. But you could tell with his slight movements and his mannerism that there was something something artificial. You could tell. But with Bishop, it seems so human. He expresses sarcasm. He makes jokes. He smiles. He concern and then to see this happen to him this very very gory situation i think it's accented by the fact that droid constructed is very similar to what human it's white and clear tubing it's white fluid and clear tubing that simulate entrails for him but if it was a person it would be you know Beat and red. That's an alarming color. So I feel like doing that scene on Bishop specifically was a genius thing to do. I I have a theory that they wanted to do a human that way, but they couldn't because it was too violent and the studio said no. I've no it's just a complete theory that I that have. Could, I that have could that no could totally act. that could be a thing. You know, because imagine if that was human in, in 86. Like, oh my god, like that would have been like even more. I mean, hey man, up. Like, we've all seen the blob, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I get yeah, but that that was more of like 
a studio that didn't give a fuck you know it didn't have i don't think it had we'll have to look look back on it i think we're going to do an episode on that one soon but yeah that whole scene and then that you're right because they have a moment right before there right she because like bishop is like telling telling her like why he couldn't do this so he's like i'm sorry i had to leave you because the platform is becoming unstable blah 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 and she was like it's okay she says something she says something she has him i forgot what she says but she has like a nice moment off, with she him. cuts him off and she says you did good yeah exactly and then all of a sudden <laughs> you know like holy shit just and that music dude like oh my god like just, yeah they I have like this hopeful music and then just <laughs> that that intense like ro- like revving up music of him being lifted just i just hear it in my head and i can just picture that scene in my head and such wonderful filmmaking just such pra- great practical effects like will stick with me forever that's that was the scene i just i had to get some scenes in there that we talked about we talked a lot about a, a lot of stuff but we didn't really talk about some of this i wanted it's obviously all right that, that being said i have no more things on on our list Let's close it out. I'll let you go with your final thoughts and I'll follow up with mine and then we'll say our goodbyes. I'm not, I don't really have like a lot of final thoughts. I just think that it's a good movie. Now, as you're into sci-fi, film to check out. And when I said that it has influenced a lot of that game, nerds in general, sci-fi, joy, I meant it. Halo. The appeal alone of the UNS. Their attitudes. Sergeant Major Avery Johnson from Halo. It's completely, basically a one-for-one rip of Sergeant Apone from this movie. The pilot, some of the things that the pilot says implemented in StarCraft, the dropships in StarCraft, they, the voice lines of the starship, not the starship, the dropships, the first StarCraft game are ripped literally word for word from aliens. She's like, in the pipe, I buy five, we're coming up on some chop. She says that in the film and the dropship opera pilot, who is also a female in StarCraft, says the same shit. Fucking uh, in Warhammer 40K, the Tyranids, arguably one of the most devastating and terrifying factions ever created in all of science fiction period i don't care what anybody says their whole aesthetic is very very based off of hr geiger's design of the alien creature and their whole um just gonna their aesthetic period i will say the ships in halo definitely were Oh, yeah. Definitely influenced by the ships from Aliens. They're very similar. Yeah, 100%. The Pelican? Are you kidding? Yeah, yeah exactly. Looks exactly like it. Yeah. Like, when you're playing that game first time, I was like, oh, that's it's from Aliens. Like, like, holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. Aliens, for me, was just... I think that was probably the gateway drug for me in sci-fi in general. Just everything about it and and the Aliens, like... It spawned this love that I still have this year of Aliens. Like, I, I got me into the comic books. I read the Dark Horse novels, and then Predator. Then I saw Predator, and then like all of this. It just sort of just springboarded me into this love of sci-fi, and then it also also gave me this affinity for strong female characters in fiction and in real life. You know, like you know. 
when I date a woman, I want her to be like Ripley, you know, like something, you know, the joke is like, oh, like you want to date someone, usually like date someone that's like your mom or has like characteristics of your mom. No, I want my woman to be like fucking Ripley. I want her to come and slap two fucking rifles and the flamethrower together and come save me from the aliens. Like that's why I want to fucking right. marry. Man. Right. I don't want to marry someone that can cook me some fucking pond set and rice, you know, and it's good with money. I want someone that's going to come and fucking tear a face and hugger just, off my face, you know, like. <laughs> You know what I mean? Uh, like, right, exactly. That's who I want. And that's another yeah. scene we need to talk about was that that whole fucking scene. But anyways, yeah, it's just, that, I think Aliens for me is was my come to nerd moment. Like that was what just launched me into my, my fascination with movies, everything, the practical effects, the story, the writing, everything. Just It's per, it's a perfect movie uh, to me. It, it has all the things that I, I would want for a, a sci-fi movie. Like, that's the best way. To, it's like perfection. Damn you have androids. Perfection. You have aliens. You have soldiers. You have guns. Spaceships. You have ex, you have explosions. Gore. You have yeah. gore. Like what else do you need, dude? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. You have you have love. You have the mother. Like the you had this like the love for her daughter and that whole. You had family. Like you had everything in this fucking movie. And like you, you have everything. betrayal. You have success. Everything. Yes. Yes, you have conspiracy. Man, yeah. this movie does have like literally fucking everything in it. So I'm like smiling my ass off right now because I love this movie. And man, it's just so good. But that's all I have for our final thoughts. Josh, always so much fun to do these. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to what we're going to be doing in the future. We're going to be ramping up some more episodes. We're talking, we got ideas, and more episodes will come down the pipeline. So, Josh buddy pal it's been awesome and i will see you soon yeah assholes and elbows <laughs> oh really that's how we're gonna sign off you're not gonna sign off that's don't it. be shitty and also <laughs> metal gear metal gear oh, no God. metal gear reference ah. I, I just did it i did it bye everybody bye everybody <laughs> I'm not going to stop recording. Actually, it's funny because I was talking to someone at the con about our about our uh, podcast, and he was dressed as snake. And I was like, "Dude, our podcast like every fucking episode we drop a Metal Gear reference." And this first episode we do, we don't actually do drop a Metal Gear reference. I know we did. We did drop one. Michael Bean as their first. Oh Metal yeah. <laughs> no, but you didn't. Re- that wasn't part of the episode. That yes, was it was. Started, that was before we started. No, that was in the episode when I was talking about the You're cast. Right. Right, we did get right. a Metal Gear episode, and it was genuine, and it was it was it was uh, natural. It wasn't it wasn't, it wasn't forced. forced. <laughs> right, cut cut me yelling Metal Gear out. <laughs> I'm no, I'm gonna cut this in like at the end and be like, whatever. I'm still recording. I was like, I'm glad I kept this. We did get a Metal yeah. Gear reference in. Hell yeah. Good. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> I need a potato, brother. Oh man, why does it get so fucking hot in here when I record a podcast? I don't understand. I do have AC. It just gets hot in here. But yeah, but seriously, man, I mean, it's influence. Even, even Call of Duty. Did you know that? What? When in Call of Duty? What do they have? What reference? Okay. In Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, tanker mission. Rolling up on the tanker, get off, with, you get off the, 
the the helicopter, Gaz and Captain Price going through. Right, get to the main, the bridge structure of the ship, and right before you open the bulkhead, Gaz pulls out his shotgun and he goes, "I like to keep this handy." Close encounters, and nice. then while you're uh, clearing the halls in the in the structure. Captain Price is saying, watch those corners. Watch those corners. Is what Apone is saying to the Marines while they're clearing the hive. As Dude, uh, I was wondering who you reminded me of. Like, your beard and your hair long. You fucking look like PewDiePie to me right now. You know who I get a lot is Markiplier. Not Markiplier, I'm sorry. Not fucking PewDiePie. Markiplier. Yes, Markiplier. I don't, why did I say fucking PewDiePie? But I get yeah. Markiplier a, yes. a lot. With your hair long and with your beard and like your nose is sort of shaped like his, you fucking look like you look like Markiplier sort of like right right now. Yeah. You just sure. don't have his deep his deep uh, soothing voice. Oh, I'm that, sorry. <laughs> that Markiplier has. I, I don't even have a deep voice. That dude's got that dude's got a motherfucking. Dude, my kids are watching Markiplier now. It was oh, mine. They love Markiplier, so it's I great. actually turned a Liam on to Markiplier. Oh yeah, I think my kid. Well, I mean, I didn't watch Markiplier a whole lot. I just knew of him and I watched some of some of his stuff. Like I was like passively a fan of his. You know, yeah, and my kids, and he's a really nice. He seems like a generally nice dude. You know, like I yeah, he seems like a really fun person, funny guy. So yeah, it's funny when he made his little threatening Delmont. If they like the like the vegetable company, they don't sponsor him. Stop buying their because it's his favorite corn. Yeah. And did they sponsor him? I don't know. Oh, that would have been funny if they. But he sits him. there with like a can, and he's like Delmont, and he opens it, and he's like sweet, <laughs> and he like eats the corn. It's like super weird. That's hilarious, Sonny. What's up, man? I see you jumped on in the middle. I didn't get a chance. I, we were recording, so I didn't say anything. I hope you're doing well. Thanks for hanging out, man. I miss hanging out with you guys. Where Josh and I. Or were I? I were ready to. Oh, the girl up. who played the girl who played Newt has never been in another film. Oh, interesting. She decided she. There's a story behind her. They like just picked her up. They just like cast her. I think from. I forgot where she had an interesting uh, casting story. Like they just. I don't know. I, it's not. I don't know if you watched the movies that made us. I was just watching some now while I was eating. <clears throat> for this episode, so. Um, all right, I'm parched. I need to piss, do some schoolwork. I need to. I need oh, to fucking. Another one, which we didn't even reference, is in Halo when they encounter the flood. One of the Marines is like, it's game over, man. It's game <laughs> we over. Didn't mention that, that line, game yeah. over, the iconic line behind that. So, yeah. You're yeah. just going to put her in charge, man? <laughs> <laughs> game over, man. Game over. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, classic. Classic lines. Damn. There were so many good lines in the movie. We didn't even like you talk about that one, but whatever. There's so much we could probably talk about. We'll do a part two. We could do a part two about this. How do we love this movie? Yeah. All right. Let me stop recording. Zoom. Back up. End. <laughs>